This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Football Odyssey. This is your host, Aaron Harris. On today's show, I welcome Chris Setticase. Chris is a former college football player from Robert Morris University and currently works as an actor and as a football stunt coordinator for feature films and television series, with credits on projects such as The Dark Knight Rises, Paterno, and the new Disney Plus film, Safety. Chris and I discuss his football roots in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, his path to playing college football, and he takes me behind the scenes of the films and shows that he has worked on. Let me know what you all think of our conversation by reaching out to me on Twitter and Instagram or at thefootballodyssey.com and sportshistorynetwork.com. And as always, thank you for listening. So you're from Pittsburgh originally, right? Born and yeah, raised? Yeah, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh. Uh, went, uh, went to high school there and then went to college there, played football at a school called Robert Morris University. We're, di- we're Division One AA. Um, played there for five years. Um, football, football's been an interesting road. Uh, when did you start playing football? I played when I was a sophomore in high school. Okay, that was your first year? Yeah, well, for, yeah, I played for about a year. I played from spring ball up until the fall of my junior year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got my mom made me play when I was little. Yeah. And well, I that's, that that, that seems year. to be like a rite of that seems to be like a rite of passage, right, in Pittsburgh? Yeah. Yeah. It was like but up there too, it seems like every kid started with soccer at yeah. a very young age. And I was never one of those kids. I've never did organized soccer for one year. I did football in third grade. And I was a super shy kid back then, so I hated it. I was always struggling to make weight. And I was like, this is, I don't know if this is for me. I was in third grade trying to be 105 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I was always heavier. So I used to have to run, chew gum, and just keep <laughs> spitting. And they're like, just keep spitting. Get whatever weight out of you that you can. So I was like, that one year, that that's enough for me. And then I started back up in eighth grade. I started to get a little bigger. So, you know, big kid. And you're like, oh, well, you got to play football. I did. So, like, you didn't fall in love with it immediately. It took some time for you to really kind of grow into it. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I I think that's I think football is definitely a game, too, that once you kind of get the size, that's like kind of when the confidence comes along to play. Because, like, I mean, with the exception of, like, you know, some, like, little league teams down in South Florida, you're basically just having a bunch of kids running around trying to figure out what exactly their job is on any given play. Right. So it's, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a free for all for the most part. But then I think once you kind of get into the, the time in which, you know, you're, you're ready to start like showing, Hey, I can play. I'm a man. I can do this. So that's, I think when football kind of comes in handy for like a lot of those kids, uh, when they get some size and they want to start showing up. Right. Right. I was, wasn't lucky enough to play any skill position. I was what did you literally play? a lineman my whole football career. 
Well, it's good, man. Yeah. You you had a whole career to work on your, uh, work on your craft then. That's that. Yeah, that's true. That's a good way of looking at it. Um, and actually funny, cool thing in ninth grade, we ran a play called, uh, we ran a tackle eligible and I was Mm. playing left tackle and we ran it in practice. And I swear every time we ran this play, all I would do is just run a little out and they're like, oh, this left tackle's going out. They're, you know, eighth grade. Or ninth grade doesn't know what tackle eligible is. Right. Every time in practice, it worked like a charm. We ended up running it in one game in ninth grade on a two-point conversion. It was a little rainy. I had to go up uh, to the field and tell the referee, like, hey, I'm eligible. The ref goes, what? And I'm trying to whisper it so the other team doesn't right. hear me. I go, hey, I'm eligible. They're like, no, you're not. And so I'm thinking, I'm on the line. I'm like, wait, did you say I'm not eligible? So then we end up running the play. I run in the end zone, wide open. Uh, quarterback throws the ball. Stone hands. Boom. Uh, Falls right on the ground. Yeah. By one time to shine. Yeah. Well, and I, I think no one can really fault you that much because you're, you're a lineman, right? You know, if you're if you're a oh, tight end, that's even. That's obviously, what they you know. tell us we're a lineman, but we got a lot more skills than just that's right. <laughs> Just block it. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you know, if you can get your hands in between the uh, the pads, right, like right in the middle, you should oh, yeah. be able to catch a ball too. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah, but oh, yeah, but that was um, yeah, I was a lineman uh, my whole career. Yeah, I mean, it seems too that I think playing line, you have like a different appreciation for the game. You know, you definitely have like the physicality that you get with it, but also I think not a lot of people recognize the the mind games you have to go with because i mean obviously it can depend like what kind of system you're playing in but you know if you're playing on the defensive line and you have to you know do two gap you have to kind of be physical but you also have to be reading the play but right. then also if you're an offensive lineman you know you have a lot of different blocking assignments you know it's easy to look at a playbook and you see like a bunch of patterns that the receivers are running but if you're a lineman you know you have like different blocking schemes you have to know mm-hmm. who to pick up who's blitzing what kind of twists are coming i mean oh, it's, yeah. yeah i mean if you're on the line man you're seeing everything it, it is, and it's just the game is evolving so much. You look at these defensive ends and these defensive linemen that these offensive the, the O line has to block. You got to block Aaron Donald, yeah, who's like a six two with two two hundred ninety pounds with an eight pack. Like it's huge. And these defensive ends that are six six run four four forties. It's insane. Yeah, it's you're seeing like a lot more hybrid players now. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, I mean, you know, whenever the whenever the Giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl in 2007, they had like that package where they had all four of their defensive ends lined up on the line. So I think yeah. like uh, I think Tuck uh, was like lined up like outside the guard. And whoever like the fourth defensive end was was like, like Chris um, Canty. Yeah, um, I mean, you, you look. Yeah, um, that was Strahan, right? Strahan, that was his last yeah. year. Yeah, I think OCU Manura was still there OC too. OC seventy-two. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. OC. Uh-huh. And so you, you look at that, you're like, man, that was that was pretty creative. But now it, that's like commonplace. You need guys right. who are that size to be able to play inside, you know, because yeah, you have dude. to be able to pass pass rush up the middle. But it, it's nuts, man. Like the it's never been a time for like more specialized players, but players that can be more flexible. Totally. Absolutely, and it's a speed game now too. Speed and space. Speed is all the even if you look at offensive linemen, they're getting 
they're getting leaner and faster. You don't see too, too many of the big, um, super heavy guys because they can't, it, it's hard to keep up because it is turning to such a fast game. And that's like my, uh, you know, I played nose guard senior year of college. We, um, on third down, they would pull me out mm-hmm. because it would be an obvious, if it was an obvious pass situation, and they would put a D end in at the nose for just uh, to, because he's obviously faster than me being 300 pounds. Yeah. And a better pass rusher. But yeah, man. Uh, what do you think as a nose guard? Because a nose guard is like one of the most underappreciated positions in all of football, right? I mean, with the exception of maybe a couple of special teams positions. Um, but like as a nose guard, like what do you think is like the most necessary skill set you need to be able to help your team or to be able to succeed? Oh, man. The skill that you need as a nose guard is much like as an offensive lineman, you have to take on the, the dirty work. So mm-hmm. I had to line up and know I had to take these two guys out of the play to free up the linebacker. And that's my job. That's why they, they want you big and heavy. So if I can stand in this gap and plant my fat ass down... <laughs> And make sure these guys aren't pushing me back into the linebacker. Uh-huh. And just holding, even just holding him on to me for one more second. That is it. Just to be conscious, I guess, of um, the field around you. And that was super important. Um, one of my best skills was, you know, I was, I, would, I, was, I was taller. I was taller defensive lineman. It was always, I always got told every day, you're too high. Yeah, too high. I'm a six foot three nose guard. You know, most the center is the short. Typically, your shortest offensive lineman. So, like, I was taller than all the centers, so it was easier for them to get under me. But my coach would always be like, "I don't know how you do it, but you still manage not to get pushed back, even though you're high." So I had a um, natural, just brute strength to be able yeah. to take on double teams, and I found. Uh, found love in that to take on two men at the same time and have them put all their might into you and push you back like a foot that's pretty like crazy to think about no it is yeah because i mean those are some big boys that you're going up against in a two-on-one and like when you're playing defense i mean you know there's there's nothing that feels better than being able to prevent them from doing what they want, you know? So it's, you, you just keep pushing them back and then you just keep getting that pressure and collectively you, everybody just feels that because I, as different as it is from offense, you know, I mean, defense is collectively always preach as a unit because it requires really across the board help from everybody, you know, like a receiver can catch a ball and kind of make something of them like out of nothing, you know, mm-hmm. but for a defense, I think everybody really kind of has to have the same, mindset going into a play in the same understanding um so like anytime on defense when you can kind of hold your own you always feel like you're doing something bigger than yourself oh for sure yeah because you know if i were to get double teamed and or if i were to get reach blocked and just get completely turned away from the play i am opening up a huge gap here and mm-hmm. say the linebacker was blitzing somewhere else and I'm supposed to block the, I'm supposed to, this is my two gap that I move. That's on me. Cause I just opened up a huge gap for that running back to gain an easy five yards. Now, 
as a as a nose guard, um, do you think that there's still like in today's game like a role for like the kind of nose guard that you were like someone who's lining up over center every play playing the two gap? Like, do you think someone like that could still exist in today's game despite how much it's changing? Uh, I I do. It's like you could do that with Aaron Donalds, and I think yeah. they do do that. Uh, the the my favorite nose guard who just retired like um, three years ago was Haloti Nada. Mm-hmm. He was a utility defensive lineman. Yeah, uh, huge gentleman. Who huge guy? He bro- remember he broke Ben's nose. Yeah, that uh Sunday night game, dude. The, that, the when he had a broken ankle camp. too. Yeah, dude, yeah, exactly that guy though. You could put him at the nose, and he's going to get penetration on any pass play. He's going to control the line of scrimmage. If you have a util, if you have a nose guard like that, like Aaron Donald, you're screwed. That changes up your whole game plan. So it comes. Uh, it, I think it's not as common, and mm-hmm. uh, you, you don't find too too many three fours anymore. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's definitely more of a sub package game now. Exactly. Like remember yeah. Steelers big case, big snack. Casey oh, Hampton. He was huge, man. I mean, he he was, he was what three hundred and twenty five pounds. I'd say he's like three forty. Yeah, he's probably like five eleven, three forty. Just a ball, though. Yeah, like guys like him and Vince Wilfork and Ted Washington. Man, they were just mountain of, like mountains of men. Yeah. I mean, they they used to have like the joke that after they all retired, they were gonna go to one big buffet and just pig out. <laughs> yeah, it's I I always enjoyed watching those guys and like those that Steelers defensive line with uh, Aaron Smith and Brett Kiesel. It was, like, those, was those guys. Game. Those guys, I think, were just as integral to their success as anybody else on that defense. Then you had Harrison right outside that. Like, oh yeah, but yeah, him, Joey Porter in the beginning, and then it became yeah. More, they were oh. animals. Yeah. Um, Who were like so like so like growing up in Pittsburgh? Um, who did you first of all? Do you even remember, like if you grew up in Pittsburgh? Obviously, you've been around Steelers football your whole life. Like, right, do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember like your f- first memories of watching a game or like I being do. exposed to Steelers? Actually, um, we had uh, we had season tickets at Three River Stadium when I was probably like six years old and. I know my dad pulled it off, but we had unbelievable seats. It was like right on the 30, 35 yard line, but we sat in the front row, Mm -hmm. which was so, uh, it was so unique of a stadium because it was a, it was the pirate stadium, Mm -hmm. but they also used it as a Steeler stadium. So at our seat, we sat behind the dugout. So we had, uh, we had the dugout literally in front of us, so we got to bring coolers, uh, food and stuff, and rest it on top of the dugout. Mm-hmm. Like, that is mostly what I remember about my first Steeler game, is basically pigging out, eating food. Dude, that's how it should be. Right? That's the way and, it's done, uh, dude. Yeah, I was a little... Uh, then I went through a phase where I started to like other players, like I was a big Terrell Davis fan. Uh-huh. Uh, love Brett Favre and the Packers. You know, growing up, these teams were do- who were winning. You wanted mm-hmm. to like uh, you wanted as a kid was jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think anytime you have players who are like the face of the NFL, 
even if you're not, even if you're not, they don't play for your team. You're always going to find a reason to like them, especially too, because like that's when video games are really taken off. So, you know, you can play Madden, like whatever year it was, and you could just like play as Brett Favre or Terrell Davis. And that just kind of, that just kind of bridges the gap even more or makes you like them even more. What about like, uh, what about like on Pittsburgh? Who was your favorite player growing up? It was uh, the bus. The bus. Yeah. Yeah. Bigger guy who could move and uh, could lower the shoulder. I was all about power running backs. Oh, and, 100%. Uh, Chris, you remember Chris Fumatamalafala? Fumatamalafala? Yeah. Loved him. Yeah. 45. Yeah. Dan he... Kreider. I, was a, I, I loved power backs. So yeah. So the Steelers had Jerome Bettis. Uh, when we got him from the Rams, I, um, that's who the, was my first favorite player in the NFL, like don't look at the bus. Yeah, the the first game that I ever saw was the 2005 divisional game against the Colts, where he fumbled the ball at the one yard line, and then I think yeah, I think it was Cato June that knocked that ball out, and Ben had to run back and get that uh, shoestring tackle. Oh. Like, oh man, bus, right. you don't want to go out like this, yeah. Right. Yeah, but I mean, luckily, you know, Ben got in. Mike Vanderjag missed the field goal. But yeah, Bus was a was a real bruiser, and unfortunately, by the time like I I really got into Pittsburgh and into football in general, you know, Willie Parker was the uh, the feature back. I shouldn't say unfortunately. I mean, the guy was a good player for um, a few good years. He was really he solid. Was. But, but that yeah, was you, a great year to watch because you had the thunder and lightning right there. Yeah, precisely. I mean, you fast can, Willie, and yeah. then. Willie had, would get all the work done down the two one yard line, give yeah, it to Bus to that's right. take it home. And they had, uh, do you remember Veron Hayes? Oh, uh, yeah. the third down back, yeah, thirty four. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah he, he was a good one. Like I, I kind of miss that when I mean I, some teams I guess still do it, but you know they have like their feature back, the change of pace guy, then they have the third down guy. Like they had like good skill positions at all those guys. And what's his, uh, the guy that was the backup for Bus for a while, uh, Amos Zeroway? You know, the, everyone said Amos Zeroway was, um, this was like the big thing. He was a 500-pound bencher. Every really? time on TV, they would always mention Amos Zeroway's strength and they, that he could bench press 500 pounds. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that's impressive for a running back. That's exactly. impressive for anybody, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, like he he had a couple good years too. I mean, and he got a like, left and went to like the Raiders, I believe, and probably the Raiders yeah. always take everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he he had a really interesting couple of years too, and like the the year with him and Chris Tuamatsu Maafala, like the year where they uh, where Tommy Maddox had won the comeback player of the year. That was special, right? Like uh, Tuamatsu Maafala takes the ball and gets that uh, two point conversion. I think to make yeah. it three. Point game against Cleveland in the playoffs, and that was what year is that? That's oh, that was two thousand two. Oh two, yeah. yeah. That oh, was the year oh, right after uh, Stewart. Yeah, Stewart got benched for him. Yeah, yeah, because after uh, Slash. Yeah, after that two thousand uh, two thousand one AFC Championship game, he just kind of fell apart, and then because he started the, he started uh, that season as the starting quarterback. Um, cause they actually started, I think that season they went up to new England, like when Gillette stadium was opening, that was the first year they opened and he had another terrible game. And then finally Maddox took the reins, never Man. looked back. That, uh, and, 
I love and th- those teams are interesting too because it's like you have like kind of like the leftovers from the nineties, right. like the Jason Gilden, the Chad Scott, Chad Brown. Um, but then you get also, you know, like you have uh, Hampton, Farrier, yeah. the guys that would be the eventual Super Bowl champions. So it was kind of a weird period. Right, right. Wow, Chad Scott. I have, number thirty. Haven't yeah. heard that name in forever. Yeah, it's like wow, so- that's <laughs> taking me back right there. Yeah, it's like so- cool. I got to see Tommy Maddox play actually in the XFL. No way. We were my family, we were on vacation in Las Vegas. I think I believe it was 2000. The 2001. Yeah. Was it the championship game? They uh no, it wasn't. It was a regular season game. Okay. Um so it must have been uh it, 2001, I guess. Yeah. So uh, we're in Las Vegas, and there's this new hype that they have a X- XFL team because this mm-hmm. is in the, the Attitude Era. We, you know, I loved wrestling at the time, so I saw all the promos for the XFL. And we're in Las Vegas, so me and my right. brother, we beg our parents, "Let's go to the XFL game. Go to the XFL game." We end up going. Um, still one of the craziest experiences of my life in 2001, being a little kid, going to something that new that was, and, uh, like I remember even on the Jumbotron, they would pan to the crowd and look for a girl and everyone was yelling at her to lift (laughs) up her top. And my mom's like covering my eyes, but it was the Las Vegas Outlaws featuring the running back Rod Smart. He hate me, number 30, versus the L.A. Galaxy with Tommy Maddox as the quarterback. And nice. Yeah, and the, the Galaxy end up winning, and, and then Steelers end up getting Tommy Maddox the year after. Yeah, and Maddox's story is pretty impressive. I mean, he came out of college. He came out of UCLA, right, when he was like 20 years old? I, I'm not too sure. Yeah, he was he was really young. I mean, he may have been 21, but yeah, he was super young, and he kind of bounced around. Um, you know, he was in. He kind of followed Dan Reeves wherever he went. You know, he was in. Uh, I think he was in Denver first, where he was drafted, and then when I think when Reeves went to the Giants, he went with him, and then he followed him down to Atlanta, and then I think he just kind of took a break for a while. Um, yeah. But yeah, that that was a special season that he had. And, you know, on one hand, it's like too bad he couldn't replicate it, you know, the following year. But mm-hmm. then that, that's whenever Roethlisberger comes into the picture. I know, right? And it's like, did you ever get a chance to, like, watch uh, some of Ben's games for his rookie year? Um, I was really into that season. That was a season that Ben, uh, that we we beat the Jets in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And we lost in the AFC Championship. Yeah, it's in New England, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't went back and watched, though. I uh, see. I, if you ever get a chance, man, you should definitely go back and watch him on YouTube. Yeah. Because I think I think a big knock that Ben gets for his rookie year was how stacked that team was. I mean, because you had, like, obviously such a great defense. Because truthfully, I actually think, like, the 2005 team was better than the 2008 team. Mm. Um, and then, obviously, this is 2004, but, you know, they're, you know, right there with each other. Um, but I think Ben was just as valuable to that offense, at least as like Bettis was or any of the receivers. Well, I shouldn't say the receivers. I mean, Platsko and Hines Ward really had some incredible, incredible catches that year. But I mean, like, especially that game when they beat uh, New England, when they snapped their 21 game win streak. Yeah. Yeah. Like 
yeah, he he had an impressive game that one, man. He he really had a lot of good games that season that you know probably aren't gonna ever get the recognition it deserves now since you know rookie quarterbacks are just putting up crazy numbers. But he did yeah. good, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, the receivers on that team was that Randall L too. Yeah, oh, yeah. He that was such. You gotta say we've seen some great receivers on our on the Steelers uh, over the past couple of years. We went, yeah, oh. dude. They just know how to draft receivers. It's incredible. I mean, yeah, and guys that you'll never hear from after a couple of years, they end up having like productive seasons. Like, do you remember? Mar- do you remember Marcus Wheaton? Yeah, he, he went did. to. Oh, he's a freak. Yeah, I mean, he had like he had the game against uh, Seattle where he had like over two hundred yards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he did. He was a really good third receiver for them. And then he kind of went his own way. But they have a habit of just really finding these guys and turning them into productive receivers for like three or four years. Yeah. And then and then them uh, wanting a lot of money and leaving. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah. Uh, but let me tell you. Uh, so I wasn't even going to play. I didn't really want to play football going into college. Really? Like high, Yeah. What was it? What did I, you actually did? Did you enjoy playing in high school? Or did you kind of continue playing because your friends were playing, or like, well, like, yeah. if you didn't want to go into college, were you just kind of burned out at that point? So I really didn't play until my senior year. I was a late bloomer. Like I didn't grow into my height until senior year. Mm-hmm. So I was underdeveloped. I was I couldn't compete, and then going into senior year, I hit this growth spurt. I become like six three, six six two, six three, and um, I naturally put on more mu- more muscle, mm-hmm. and I become this different player. But I still, at the time, I was a I was I was a pretty shy kid, and I, I wouldn't say I was taking many chances. My mom really pushed for me like I love football but in high school kind of sometimes it felt like a chore yeah to me I I wasn't mentally there I didn't I didn't like working out I felt like oh I have to go work out three days a week after school while my friends get to go home and play Halo 2 online yeah well I mean you know and I was like damn so when football ended, it was the greatest feeling ever for me as a kid. And a couple of my buddies were like, wow, we get to go home after school now and just be a regular kid. So when I saw um, college, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I didn't think I, I personally didn't have the confidence to think I was good enough. And I was getting recruited by like division, mostly division two, II, division three. And then... Robert Morris is a local school to Pittsburgh, right, uh, right, right next to the airport in Moon Township. My brother actually went there, and he was playing football. He got a full scholarship. So uh, I did some applying, and I almost went to West Virginia just as a, as a student. But okay. I ended up getting accepted into Robert Morris, and then uh, my brother – kind of puts in a good word for me and I get to go take a couple visits and watch some practices and they told me I could walk on if I wanted and my mom really asked me she was like I um she really just asked me to try it one year 
Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to at first. I'm like, oh. But she just asked. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. I ended up playing. Freshman year was the most fun I've ever had and in any football year. Because I had no worries. I was on scout team, offensive line at the time. Mm-hmm. And... It just had no cares in the world for football. We just, they showed a, if, you know, what scout team is, is you are basically the third and fourth string guys, and you are acting as the upcoming team in the future weeks. So, like, like if the Steelers, you know, are playing the, the Bengals next week, well, the Bengals run this kind of offense, and they typically run these kind of plays. So, on the scout team, guys, they hold up a big, big poster with the play on it. So you, we would look at the play and be like, "All right, we're going here." So we didn't have much time to learn the actual offense of Robert Morris's, but we were basically practiced on this. But that being said, got to go up against like the seniors, the starters every day, talk smack on them, have a bunch of fun, and get better. And I look back on it, and if I wouldn't have played football freshman year, if I wouldn't have played football in college, I don't know what I've done, what I, where I would be now, because football has gotten me everywhere in life right now. I got to, ugh. Before we get like deeper into like your uh, playing days in college, like going back to high school, um, like when you said it felt more like a chore, like mm-hmm. was it the co- was it the coaches that kind of made you feel that way, like the environment of the way the program was run, or for you was it just kind of you had other things that you were focused on as a high school student and you didn't know if you wanted to commit this much attention to it. Yeah. Um, uh, all my friends did play. So that was a big thing. And one thing about football, I, I used to have so much hate for running. Oh yeah. (laughs) I was always a fat kid in high school. I was really, I was fat until senior year and Running with, and I had asthma. So, uh, <laughs> in order to play football, conditioning with like summer conditioning, I think back and it triggers my anxiety now. I, yeah, I hear you. I had the same ordeal, dude. So, like, I'm saying, like, embarrassing moments. I'm the last one running, I'm wheezing. And it's just like, I, you think, like, as, as a kid, you're like, screw this, man. Yeah. I got other friends who are at, at home sitting in the pool right now. Yeah. <laughs> And so, like, a lot of it comes from that. And uh, and when that happens, you lose a lot of confidence in yourself. When you think, like, I can't breathe, my body's not permitting me. Like, And then, uh, so, to overcome that uh, was, very, was very challenging. So, that, that is where kind of football made me not as made my love not be so strong is because i i just it was it was hard it was really hard for me yeah but i mean it all works out for you well in the end right i mean you know at the time you're like you're like mom i really don't want to continue doing this but i think it's that little extra push that really makes it worth it and you don't recognize it till years later but it really does contribute a lot to be able to to put through in that hard work it does it does and still to this day still to this day you look i look back and it's just like oh all the 
I, I remember waking up early before morning running and just having that that pit of just fear in my stomach. It's like, oh, I gotta go run right now. But yeah, absolutely, yeah. and it has made me push to achieve stuff I didn't think I could. So it all comes back. Yeah, I mean, my mom also pushed me to to play too, and then. Because I, I started playing uh, spring ball my freshman year, but that summer we actually had these two uh, ex Marines that came into our conditioning program, and it was hell. It was just two months of the craziest conditioning and lifting exercises, and it, it got to be really fun though, you know, because when you're in the same boat where everybody is just suffering, even like the superstars, you know, the guys who are the fastest on the team, the guys that are going to get good scholarships to go to good schools, everybody's just on the ground trying to catch their breath and everybody's too tired to say a word or talk smack to each other. But then you close off doing like your, your cool down jump jacks and then everybody gets the chant. So that, that was always fun. That's kind of what build the camaraderie. So that's yeah. always what I loved. Even as, as difficult as it was, it really did kind of build a good bond moving forward. Absolutely. And that's one of the, that's probably like football's still a part of my life now. Like, uh, but the camaraderie aspect is what I probably miss the most more than anything. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like the locker room, the moments you had in the locker room with the guys. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I mean, come on. There's not a lot of places in life that can be replicated in that way. Right. Cause you think mm-hmm. about, it's it's as close as someone you know i, I mean you're you're with those people every day and, yeah. you know you're sweating you're bleeding you're, you're dealing with every obstacle about how much this sucks and but yeah you get each other to lean on yeah 100 it's it's definitely a grind but if you're with the right people it's it's manageable yeah so what what was the hardest adjustment that you had to make going into college, like from uh, playing high school and then to, to playing at a university? It's a great question. Um, and I tell this to, if I talk to uh, any uh, linemen in high school that are working on trying to go to the next level, is when I was in high school as a lineman, um, we were taught blocking technique is uh we'd be down in our three-point stance hand hand in the dirt mm-hmm. and your first step would be your right foot and as you take a step we were taught to wind your hands back put your hands in your holsters they would call it to kind of like um wind up a little bit get some strength for your your next step and then you're gonna punch going to college it was a completely different blocking technique so i went from learning to take a step and wind up hands in the holsters hold it and then punch to next year in college um i i I first went into college as an offense alignment and then moved to defense alignment like my junior year but as an offense alignment uh Coming out of my stance, if I were to um, take a step and wind up and put my hands in my holsters, uh, the defensive lineman is going to engage and get inside but while I'm still winding up and exposing my chest. Yeah. These guys don't mess around. They have quick hands. 
So as soon as that ball snap, I'm taking a step winding up. He's already engaged in my chest, which makes him have control of me. Mm-hmm. So that transition of college, not winding up, was one of the most challenging things ever uh, to not do. Because it's just so instinctive. And I still did it even after. And it was, oh. Well, yeah, it's ingrained after four years. I mean, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's like defensive linemen, too, when they learn the, uh, the swim technique. Yeah. When they have the arm going over, but you're exposing your ribs, so right. they're just gonna drive. They're just gonna drive their shoulder, drive their hands right into you. Yeah, I mean, they're they're definitely like certain growing pains that you're gonna have to expose yourself and experiment with. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's definitely a good example of how mechanics. When you go to high school, you can learn yeah. something one way, but when you go to college, you can't. It's not gonna cut it anymore. Totally. Well, um, what about you? I didn't play in college. But what about what about when, uh, your biggest transition? What was the hardest thing um, for you to? Uh, so me was always staying low. My biggest feat in football. What would you oh, say? Well, mine was stance. I it swear was, to God, me trying to get into three point stance, like either I would have like my legs too far back, mm-hmm. or. Um, Coming off the line too, like I, whenever I would like watch film afterwards, or I would see the coaches watching film in their office. Yeah, I would definitely see like you shoot straight up like on board drills. Yeah, and people would people would just like dr- like drive you backwards, and it was so humiliating. But you know, it's because it was like my first time playing. I'm playing with a bunch of guys who have been playing since they were like in like pee wee football, right. you know, or they've been like the youth leagues. So like trying to get into that like uncomfortable, unnatural position. And then, yeah, trying to stay low when you're going off. And we used to have the um, the shoots. I don't know if you guys had that when you had oh, to shoot yeah. to make sure. And if your helmet hit the metal bar, it was like, Every all right, get time. back there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, th- that was horrible. And then, um, but then, you know, like h- hitting the sleds would be a-, a way to kind of help fix that too. You know, just yeah. help with explosion and power. But yeah, the the stance was definitely my hardest, the the hardest thing for me to to grasp. I could totally relate to that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not flexible, nor was I. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, getting the stance, getting low, and having enough power to come out of this and be able to push somebody and not get pushed back. Oh, yeah. It's not as easy. It's not an easy thing to do. <laughs> but in, and in your case, too, how you said that having that strength – um kind of made up for that like yeah. was there ever was there ever a time like was there ever a game or just people that you went up against where that wasn't gonna strength wasn't gonna cut it these guys were just too fundamentally sound and took advantage yeah. of you being up oh yeah we played um yes we played against a triple option team uh, virginia military academy vmi and their center was probably like five five ten and got in a four-point stance and is like literally a foot away from the ground so it's either he's almost cutting me every play that's how low and fast this guy was and yeah it wasn't it wasn't fun because there was nothing i I couldn't he he totally worked me Mm -hmm. he just was so low and so quick at least right initially he would get he would get a good pop on me because i'm I'm still too high he's lower and then 
I was lucky enough to have just natural brute strength and I'd be able to catch myself. But yeah, that was where, man, I'm telling you, a center, a center snapping the ball with his other hand in the ground. Think about that. There's a lot. It, ugh, center's a very smart position. What do you think? So as someone who constantly goes up against centers, what do you think? What are some of the, the qualities that all the great centers that you played against share? Um, very, uh, very smart and vocal. It's like these centers, you, you, you see them and they run up to the line and they're like reading, they have to, the centers, they have to make the calls of the offensive line, whether mm. it's pass protection, you know, either you're sliding to the left, they're looking which side stack, they're pointing out the mic. And then after they have to know the play, and then uh, a nose guard is an inch away from their face. They yeah. have to remember the snap count. Then they have dumb, dumb asses like you were next to the center of me. Like, yo, uh, what's it on again? <laughs> Asking him the snap count. And then making sure <laughs> he snaps the ball correctly. Yeah. There's a lot of different variables for the center, man. It's a, and, and literally... I loved we uh, uh, some uh, we we ran this defense where I was tilted on the center. So instead nice. of being lined up straight up, I was literally my face was pointed at his ear. Like Joe Green style. Yes, exactly. We called it a uh, uh, cocked. Okay. I was cocked on the center, and literally I could look into his ear, and I'm just concentrating on because he hey he has to snap a ball. I don't have to do this, so. That is where I could take advantage of centers when they let me get in that position. Because think about it. If there is a guy right here, I have to snap a ball, get my hand back, and get it back up here where all he has to do is do this. Yeah. That's why centers get – if you watch a center, they get help a lot of the time by the guard. Yeah, and that's uh, – I've always been curious, like, so if you're lining up over the center, like, do you ever notice a tell that can, or like a tendency that could help you anticipate the snap count? You, you, I, you do, but I tried not to. So like what, what are some things that you might notice? So you always pay attention to slight leans. It's like defenses love calling out if there was a screen. So mm-hmm. as a defensive lineman, if I am lining up and I see the guard r- really far back in his stance, he's not putting a lot of weight on his hand, and he's far back from the center, I'm yelling at the linebacker, hey, watch, watch if he's pulling. Because he, he has to get behind the center and run. So if that's the case, I have to be, uh, if he, my, the, the guard's going to pull, that means uh, the center's going to down block on me. That was one of the tells, uh, leaning. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you catch leaning, but you got to watch because sometimes they'll lean one way to make you think they're going that way. It's, it's a mind game. Yeah. It really was. It's like sometimes you, I would put my weight on my hand like really hard, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bull rush the crap out of here and then pull a finesse move. So it, it's a battle, and if you you think about it, if you go up against the same person, um, what like four, 40, 50, 60, 40 plays a game? I mean, think about the tells you're going to learn. 
you know? Yeah, and I think it was uh, the Vince Papali movie, Invincible. It's a good one. Remember, yeah, do you remember whenever they were talking about, like, if you see, like, his knuckles white turn knuckles. white? Yeah. Yeah, it feels like after the cat was out of the bag, like if you were someone who would like was new to football and you saw that, you were like, oh, okay, maybe it's time we switch it up now, you know? Yeah, right. But everyone, did, did, wear glove, everyone wears gloves now, too. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Now, did, did, did playing offensive linemen help you help that transition to defense at all, though? Like to be able to kind of maybe recognize, like obviously you were just talking about tendencies, but, you know, playing – was it kind of one of those things like, I know, you know, that I know sort of a deal? It definitely at first, because I'm, I'm, I started, I went over to defense in spring ball. So I just was with these guys the whole season. So I knew like our personal offensive linemen, like in spring ball, you go up against, um, we would go up against each other, not scout teams. So if the cadence was on one, it would be like, all right, Monday, Monday. You'd hear the quarterback yell Monday. If the the cadence was on two, it'd be Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And obviously, from being over them, being over with them the whole season, I was like, oh, well, I know what the I know what the snaps on. So yeah, maybe I would take advantage of that a little bit. But I felt like I was inside a defense alignment, even playing offense. So what what brought on the the transition then? Like, do they just need depth at that position or? Oh, I, I, uh, offensive lineman, uh, my coach, and he just didn't he didn't like me, and I, no. there was it, it, nothing was going to happen. I wasn't going to play at all. And then I actually ended up uh, like spraining my ankle really bad, and it was a long recovery, and I had to talk with like my parents, and I was looking. Uh, and I decided I wanted to go ask the coach, um, ask the head coach if I could switch to defense. And and they allowed me. And this is uh, going into my uh, my junior year. And then we they decided redshirt me for a season, mm-hmm. um, and just focus on defense. And then I'll uh, recover my ankle. And then when the season starts, I'll um, I'll just be on scout team. So my first year at D, when I moved over from offense to defense, um, definitely was just all on scout team, and I really got to let loose and not have to do anything. Uh, just really have fun because I knew I wasn't going to play it all that season. I was redshirted. I got to just go have fun and really like kind of get a feel for this new, um, you know, new position that I'm uh, taking on. Do, I, you uh, w- do you wish you would have made the transition earlier when you got yeah, to college? For before? sure. I do. Absolutely. Did you, did you get a chance to play with your brother? Um, I did. Uh, I put, we were on the same team for two years. My brother was a stud. He was a left tackle He's about 6'5", 315 playing. Uh, really good. So, But when we were on the team together, we were both on offense, so we never really got to go against each other. And, you know, he was a starter, and I was like third string at the time. But it definitely um, had its ups and downs having a brother on the team, as especially as an upperclassman coming in as a freshman. You know, well, that's always well, fun. What what were some of the ups uh, ups and downs? 
Oh, well, you know, having an older brother with o- older classmen friends walking in, I'm an easy target. So oh, mad, that's, 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 uh, so my last name's Sedicase, right? So they called my brother, uh, my brother Suitcase, right? And they're uh-huh. like, oh, and here comes Carry On. <laughs> you know, just a suitcase, yeah. Sedicase. But yeah. Um, but Did- yeah, that. Go like go going to the team like um so it, since your brother was a stud and he had already kind of given your your name exposure at Robert Morris did you kind of feel like the added pressure on top of like just going to college play going to play college football and showing that you belong did you feel like added pressure to kind of live up to how good he was I guess I guess in a way I guess I really did it um, no. never felt like I had to you know, uh, fill out like his shadow. Mm-hmm. If anything, no, I didn't. Uh, which yeah, I probably should have, I probably could have made it further, but yeah, when he was there, I was still growing into myself with the offensive line. And I wish we could have went up against each other though. When Did- I was on defensive line, he was on offensive line. Did you ever like go up against each other like in uh, drills, like board drills or bull in the ring, anything like Not that? Not really. They mm-hmm. really didn't do that because we were usually offensive linemen don't go up against each other too much, you know. Yeah. No, no, yeah. Did uh, but does that add like any sort of like another dimension to the competitiveness? Like do you like do you want to kind of like just show up your brother as at some point and say oh you know I'm I, I didn't give up a block obviously he was a star yeah. and you were you know third <laughs> string but right does it kind of add to that competitiveness a little bit at it least does. at the home front and we had many conversations um, over Christmas time <laughs> after a couple too many drinks about I. <laughs> You would never move me off the line, <laughs> and, we, and I'd be like, "Yeah, um, you know, we we uh, we talked about it before. It's like in our primes, if we got to just go up head to head, who would have won? And he probably would have. He, he would have definitely killed me in pass blocking, but there's no way he would have uh, would have drove, uh, you know, run blocked me very well." <laughs> That's right, man. Stand your ground. That's right. Uh-huh. So, like, what was your what was your proudest moment as a college player? As a college player, um, man. So, I don't know why it's so uh, proud. I I I got to make the first tackle in our stadium's first night game. Okay. which uh, it was homecoming game. It was a night game. My senior year it was a sellout crowd, you know, small division one double A school, but hey, it, it probably had, I don't know, you know, 15,000 people there. Yeah. That's, I that's, remember that's not first, small. Yeah. First play I I'm playing defense. I'm playing nose guard. And I remember just blowing up the center and kind of pushing him back into the running back. And okay. then just grabbing on the running back and just running him backwards, not slamming him or anything, but just like, I got you, dog, and just running it back. And then they blow the whistle, 
he's like, you know, seven yards in the backfield. And I kind of just storm off like this crowds going crazy. Um, that was, that was one of the coolest moments I had. One of the, I had a super embarrassing moment too. I, um, I tripped and fell running into the game at Liberty <laughs> University. There, ironically, it was their first night game at their brand new stadium, Fireworks. It was on ESPN3. 20, uh, 26,000 fans, louder than all heck. Uh, I get called into the game. I'm yelling for um, the other defensive tackle to get out. I'm like, Sam, Sam. I'm, I, I run in. Turf Monster catches my foot. I fall straight on my face. Boom, I hurry up and try to get up, looking as uh, not sloppy as possible. Managed to get to the huddle. Linebacker's like, all right, uh, Mike 34 Hawk, are you ready? He's like, get it, get in place. I'm like, did you just see me fall right there, John? How am I supposed to focus on the play? Uh, and it was on ESPN3. It was super embarrassing. I ran, managed to get back to the sideline. The fans are yelling, hey, 76, we saw that. And I'm just, like, covering my face. And on the bus ride home, you know, we, we stopped at a convenience store. They give us a little bit of money for a snack. I, I'm walking off the bus. We got killed that game. My defensive coach is standing by the door. He's like, uh, uh, watch your step. <laughs> and it was after a loss so after a loss it's no joking matter right and he managed to throw that jab in is classic and i at least you're able to laugh about it you know obviously right. being, on, being on national tv you know that's like a it's like a johnny yeah. drama moment oh yeah oh yeah. that's so funny but now, after you graduated, you actually got involved in uh, film and TV work as an actor and a stunt coordinator, right? Yeah, man. So yeah. it was actually my last season going of college, right, in Pittsburgh. Um, this is 2011. Um, and they are shooting a movie at Heinz Field, downtown Pittsburgh, and they were looking for football players. My brother, uh, my brother saw this. He sent his stuff in, and he's like, "You should send in. All they're asking for is your name, height, some pictures of what you look like." So I, I, I send in, and we both end up getting selected to work on this movie. And we come to find out the movie was The Dark Knight Rises, Batman. It was like, okay. And then um, I still had one more season of football left. And um, in order, NCAA violation is you can't get paid to play football or else you will lose your eligibility. Okay. So technically I was going to be a, paid to be a football player in this film. So I had to go to the compliance director, right? And talk to them and uh, the company that hired us as football players, they were called, uh, they're, they're by, they go by the name Game Changing Films. Um, so I talked to them and I'm like, hey, I still have one more year of college football left. So, but the compliance director's not letting, okaying me to do the movie because he's gonna, he, he thinks it will ruin my eligibility. So the people at Game Changing Films were like, well, technically, you're not getting paid to play football. You're getting paid to be a prop. 
So they end up okaying me, end up going to set, and it was at Heinz Field. I was just a sideline player on the sideline during the scene when Bane walks out and um, takes over uh, Heinz Field and actually ends up blowing it up. Press the button. Yeah. Yeah, I got to see that in person, which was a f- cool one of the still one of the top five coolest film well not top five that's like second coolest hands down but um so i was on the sideline during the kickoff scene where heinz ward returns a touchdown and then as soon as he returns a touchdown bane he starts talking to go so awesome but oh which did you get, did you get to did you get to meet any of the players on the sideline? So I was actually on so in that movie they had a bunch of cameos by some Steelers like Ben mm-hmm. Roethlisberger, uh um uh Paul Amalu was in it. Um Aaron Smith, Pouncey, Heinz Ward. They were all on the home team, which was the Gotham Rogues. I was on the away team, the white team, and our team's name was the Rapid City Monuments. There were no Steelers on my team, Mm -hmm. so I wasn't near any. And this was my first time being on set. I I didn't want to say anything. When we were walking into the locker room, Heinz Ward was right behind me. And I almost turned around because my jersey was really tight on me at the time, very uncomfortable. I was I was this close to turn around and be like, "Hey, Heinz, does this jersey make me look fat?" <laughs> you should have, man. I should have. I did it, but yeah, I didn't get to uh, interact with um, any of the any of the celebrities or football players on that that one. So you got to get back on set with Heinz Ward. You got to. Yeah. Right, that, yeah. that would be cool. But, so, like, so like after that movie, like, where where did you go from there? Because you, you've had you've had credits in a few other football movies after right? that. So yeah. Like, where did you go from there? Yeah. So, uh, football again. Um, so, again, I got to give credit to my brother. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have made the leap or jump if he wanted, if I wouldn't have been able to follow him, but same company game changing films was looking for football players in Atlanta, like football extras um, for a TV show in Atlanta called necessary roughness. So um, he, he decided he's going to go down for it. I'm graduating college. I don't have anything lined up. I'm like, yeah, my, hey, I'll I'll go down to Atlanta for a summer, be an extra on a TV show, make a couple hundred bucks a day. Hey, that's fun. Get to still play football. Um, started so came down and we did that. Did that for a whole season. Just was in the background of football scenes, and we had actually like uh, recurring extra football players. And there was guys who played in the NFL, big-time Division I players, Clemson, Alabama. Um, and then you had small school players like me and then other guys who didn't even play. And it was like a team because we would be extras on this TV show for three days a week. And sometimes we'd have to do football stuff, but sometimes we'd be in the locker room just walking around, hanging out. 
um, on TV. Right. So a lot of fun doing that. But doing that, that uh, actually got one of the actors on that show by the name of Greg Allen Williams. He actually was uh, Denzel's assistant coach in Remember the Titans. Okay. So he has a big scene where they're doing up-downs at camp. And he goes, don't play no practice. So or I can't remember the exact line, but you won't forget him. Um, he was a part. He was one of the actors in that show. After got getting to talk to him, he has an acting studio here in Atlanta. I did some acting classes in college. Um, as you know, I was a communication major. It was elective, so mm. and it was fun. But there was never any any thought that I would take this as a profession or as a career. So we met Greg Allen Williams and actually started taking classes at his school. The guy has over a hundred film and television credits. He was on uh, like over 40 episodes of Baywatch. Um, his IMDb is, is super impressive. So getting to learn from him, a working actor uh, him telling you what he did and his techniques to get that got him booking and consistent work. And then getting to perform in front of him and getting to critique and learn, it, it was huge. Um, started doing that and then got asked to do another football movie. So I'm like, wow, I'm still playing football right now as I'm 24 at the time. I go to Texas to work on a movie for two months as a football player. Then some commercials pop up. Um, and the people who I've gotten to meet, I got to play TJ Watt in a commercial once. Uh, it was a Visa Julio Jones commercial. Okay. And, um, and, you know, it's going to be Steel- it's Steelers versus Falcons. And we get into the locker room, we go to um, get our wardrobe, and I see in my locker is number 90 with Watt on the back. And I'm like, there's no way. I'm like, I'll, I'll take this. And I was just like, well, let's just hope TJ doesn't see this, because he's going to be like, wow, you guys couldn't have got a better stunt double than this? But... <laughs> no, dude, yeah. you'll, you'll get mistaken on the streets now for uh, TJ. Yeah, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah um now so, go ahead yeah it was uh, that uh so i did um okay so then went to texas to work on a movie what movie was it it was a movie called one heart it hasn't been released it's actually it, i think it that was back in 2012 and it's supposed to i think be released next year yeah, it got, sometimes that happens. Things stop. Oh, dude, they'll, yeah. they'll put it on the shelf for right. you know, 10, 15 years at a time. Yeah. So, but it's really, uh, for people who don't know, football in film and television is real, but it is a dance. So t- take me through like the choreography and like sort of like the, the process. So when you like arrive on set and most extras in football come from football backgrounds, right? Like right. you're not going to, you're not going to be in a uniform unless you have some football experience right. as an extra. They do, they do tryouts. They do tryouts. They do uh, tryouts. 
Like, and I'm telling you, like, I've worked on movies with uh, second-round draft picks in the NFL. Wow, okay. Like, yeah, they do a tryout, and they put you through, like, kind of like combine drills. They make you, like, run a 40 and do some uh, footwork drills and stuff. So, uh, yeah, big tryout, which is cool, and it, it really brings out the competitive, juice, competitive juices. Um, yeah, but, now is that in addition to going on, like, an audition? No, so this is more. That is pretty much just towards the football aspect. If I was okay. gonna be like just a football player, not necessarily, gotcha. you know, gotcha, yeah. But from just the football aspect of it, so you see all these plays um, in movies and television. Those plays, we uh, so let's say for example, let's go over the Batman scene. Mm-hmm. The big scene. We had to. There was uh, two days of practice for that one scene. Um, because that was a kickoff scene. There is millions and millions of dollars of film equipment on set, uh, and on set time is money. If you mess every time someone messes up, that is just more money. The longer the day takes, that is overtime, more food just keeps racking up. So they have two practice days to make sure that you perfect what plays we are doing. Um, Like you have a mark where you have to get to. So say, um, I have to tackle you on the kickoff, right? Uh, we have to make sure that you get tackled at the same place every time because that's where the camera is set up. If you're one yard ahead of that, you're out of the shot. Um, so you have to make sure you do things at the exact same time and the same place every play. And it has wow. to be the same thing. It's It's like a thing is it's a thing called continuity it's just like if we want to play and i'm wearing a towel on my waist and then the towel falls off and i'm like ah, i don't want to wear it anyways and then we're like all right guys let's, we we gotta run that play again you're like hey that guy had a towel uh, on his yeah. waist the last shot because they have to piece together every time they record it right um so if you're not at the right mark at the right place if you get hit if you're about to get hit and you you kind of tighten up your face and uh, uh, right before you get hit, the camera can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many uh, in, with injuries. You have to know what you're doing because we've seen so many injuries happen with football. And you, that's the last thing you'd want someone to get hurt when you're doing a, a fake choreographed play, you know. Now, when you're making a tackle, it's a full contact tackle. It is to an extent. So, so I, number, how do they how do they make it look? Believe number one rule of tackling when injuries happen is when you land on top of the person. So for a hit to happen, you wanna you always want to go shoulder to shoulder, and when you land on them, always fall to your side. Because okay. if I'm falling on top of you, there's so much that can go wrong. Pinch your shoulder, rib, who knows? That's all my weight falling on top of you. So 
it, you do have to take a lick. And I've, I've, I've thought I've gotten a concussion on set because some people don't think it's real football. And I'm like, dude, we have to do this play 50 more times. I swear if you hit me that hard again, we're going to have problems. Yeah. Because, you know, you have to do the same thing. If we have to hit each other, if I'm a lineman, if I'm playing on the line and we have to go up against each other and I have to pancake you every time. Like, let's do this smart. Let's make it look good, but be safe. And but do you do you guys have uh, do you guys rehearse like certain drills, like landing drills or anything like that to make sure that you don't have these kind of injuries? Yeah, they they make sure the hit is well rehearsed and everyone feels as safe as possible. First practicing with a, a large pad on the ground just to get the timing down and make sure both of the people performing the stunt are comfortable. And they, they, in their and everyone's made sure, like especially these big hits. If you ever feel uncomfortable, just stop. It's not worth getting injured. So it's all about, um, yeah, real uh, safety is number one. And uh, yeah, it's well rehearsed, though. Well rehearsed. And so if you're doing uh, a film that is new, because obviously you have like some scenes that are just individual. Like the the Batman scene where that's just one scene of a kickoff, right? And then obviously yeah. you get you know football specific movies like Friday Night Lights or Varsity Blues, where it's like right. the last the last twenty minutes is focused on one game. Do you have guys in there that are like drawing up like actual plays for the entire sequence of the game or the entire sequence that's going to be shot? And then that's when you guys kind of break off while actors are shooting or the second unit team is shooting uh, stock footage and stuff like that. You guys are going through actual plays. Um, it, it's kind of, um, so wait, that you saying, um, while there's just football scenes being shot. Yeah. Um, like when, when you're shooting football scenes, how intricate is it in terms of drawing up plays since people, since the, the extras actually come from like a football background, right. are you guys actually designing certain plays or are you just kind of running to certain designated spots based off oh, the camera, yeah. based off camera placement? Right. Uh, no, it's all drawn up. Yeah. Wow. It is all scripted plays. Uh, everything you do is drawn up and it's easier to do that. It's just like showing them a card, you know, when we, we first learn a play is because we have to learn, you know, sometimes five, six plays in a row. And, you know, first we'll see the play and we'll just walk through it and Mm -hmm. just walk through it so everybody can feel comfortable. And then you start doing it half speed and just following what the the play that was drawn out for us and progressively getting faster and then be like, all right, let's do just uh, full speed. Uh, Everybody stay up, no falling on the ground or just. And it's just a work and continuously working it because you're telling me if you're doing a, a we, we, you do a football scene and you have these, you know, these big time directors, they expect the coordinators to do their job and make it look right. That is why they get hired um, and to and they pay more to get these guys who actually do have uh, professional experience and played big time ball. And you've worked as a coordinator too, right? Right. I did. I got, I was lucky enough to work as a coordinator on a movie called run the race. We, we worked on it in Baltimore, uh, not Baltimore, Birmingham. 
Okay. And it was produced. Uh, one of the producers was actually Tim Tebow's brother. So I got to hang out with Robbie Tebow and work one-on-one with him and go over the football stuff with him and uh, my friend Brandon Porter and my brother Joe. It, the three of us were coordinating that. And we drew up the play. And we had a bunch of high school uh, kids just out of high school. And working one-on-one with a director was a definitely new experience, but it was a growing, nerve-wracking, but it worked out great. It really did. Um, What were some of your expectations going in? So since you had been on set before and you had worked with coordinators on the other side as an extra, like were there certain things that you took away from – what you would learn on those sets and try to apply it when you were doing run the race. Absolutely. I basically took everything I learned from my friends at game changing films who, um, mostly being, uh, making sure everyone is safe. Um, and also, uh, just a lot of, uh, knowing where the camera is, um, and these camera guys, they have to run with the football, follow it. Uh, uh, yeah, that was oh, that was a long time ago. I'm struggling to remember run the race. I've done uh, I've football, man. So football has led me to a, a big acting role as like an actual actor too, not just as an extra. That was uh, Safety, right? Yeah. Disney that was Plus safety. movie? Yeah, yeah. Safety. So in Safety, we came out this, earlier this year. I was a Clemson football player, a nine, uh, 18, 19-year-old freshman from Kentucky. Um, uh, they uh, needed... Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. That's the script? That's my script that I got at the table read. Nice. All so, yeah, up. It says, yeah, it was crazy. Walt, Walt Disney. Wow, yeah. good for you, man. Yeah. Hey, thanks, man. So safety was a lot of fun. Uh, that was my biggest acting role till day. So safety uh, is a movie that takes place in 2006 about a gentleman by the name of Ray Ray McElrathbay. Um, played football for the played football for Clemson and his mother was struggling with drug addiction and rehab and she actually ends up going back to rehab and she's not there for Ray Ray's little brother so he floats around living with some questionable friends of Ray Ray's and then Ray Ray has to decide to take his little brother in with him while juggling playing division one football and taking on 18 credits while uh, fathering his little brother in his dorm room. So I was lucky enough to play one of Ray Ray's friends, uh, part of his friend group and on the football team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a uh, character was a uh, third string center, number 50. Cool. Yeah, I actually had a uh, a board get... drill scene in that movie too. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you uh, did you get to meet the real Ray Ray? 
Yeah, it was, Ray Ray was on set every day. He was wow. on set every day. He we worked out with him. He put us through workouts. Um, really, uh, really cool to be a part of a project that is based off a true story and have the guy whose life story be there and yeah. seeing him watch his story get brought to life. Uh, that was that was very. Um, awesome to see as a, a performer. Yeah, biopics can be kind of tricky because it, it's pretty... I, I really don't like biographical films where they try to condense a person's entire life story into a two-hour movie because it's right. not possible. There's right. too much There's too much missing, right? But w- when you're doing like a self-contained, uh, self-contained story like that one, it's much more possible to tell... Um, uh, give a good portrayal of how it happened at the time. So yeah, yeah it's definitely... A movie like that is definitely better suited when you can focus on just like a a year within a person's life. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. And did you did you get to meet Tobin? Tobin was not based off a real character. He wasn't. Okay, he was not. I did all my research I could to find if he was. Like, okay. Well, sometimes because uh, sometimes you can like have like a real character. Or they'll have like composite characters that are based off multiple people. Right. So. Yeah, you yeah. you just never know. Now, yeah, did you do no. did you do the stunts for that one too? I did. I did the stunts for that one. Um, I had a, we had a I had a board drill scene in that. That was my only football action in that movie, where me and my roommate Solo, we they they call us out on a board drill scene, and I'm on offense, he's on defense, and. We get to go up against each other, and Luke, who I uh, plays my roommate in the movie, he played football in high school. So we got we talked to each other before we shot, and we're like, "Yo, man, let's make this look good." It's like, "Hey, if we gotta, we gotta make some pads crack. Well, let's do it. Let's make it look good." Because I mean, the camera was literally it shot up at us, mm-hmm. um, and we did. Luke did great. He hasn't played football in a couple years, but he did awesome. Uh, my neck was killing me after that because I had yeah, to do I that one scene like for like 30 minutes straight, holding in a talk about a stance. Yeah. I had to stay in my stance for that shot. For <laughs> oh my gosh, my fingers were uh, uh, the, my arthritis must have been kicking in. Wow. Just all my weight on my fingers. It was killing me. Uh, now, it, in the in the movie, like, there's, um, like, on some special team sequences, like, there was the camera inside the helmet. Yeah. Like, like were you – how did you work with uh, the director in those sequences? Like, I'm, was that kind of a different animal for you to approach, seeing as usually you're used to having the cameras outside and above and around the field? Yeah, that – so – in that those scenes, I was just able to chill on the sidelines. But okay. they um, they put together this helmet with a GoPro built in to get that angle and to see the the face mask and to make you really feel like you're in the play. And it was this helmet rig, so they had uh, one of the stunt performers wear this rig on his helmet and it was a very expensive rig you know but they had to make the tackle and uh so that took a lot 
of time to get down. And uh, so in that movie, you saw we we actually it was so cool. We got to film at Clemson. Mm-hmm. So me going to a small school, we filmed at halftime, legit, legitimate halftime. Clemson was the number one team in the country at the time. They were playing Charlotte. And we were allowed to have eight minutes to film a to film uh, to film at halftime with the wow. crowd in the stands. Because think about it. You don't get to get 80,000 extras in an audience. Like, that is unheard of. But yeah. somehow Disney managed to pull it off. They're, they're making – They must have made a pretty good donation, right? They had to have, right? Yeah. Well, look at all the exposure All the exposure Clemson gets. Uh, yeah, yeah 100%. But we had eight minutes to film this scene, right, of us running. We had to run down the hill. Uh, run down, touch Howard's rock, run down this steep hill, run onto the field, um, run a kickoff play, and then run a cel- uh, two defensive plays in eight minutes. We rehearsed this in Clemson Stadium for a week because this is legit. You had one shot at it. Wow. Um, I was petrified. I was going to trip and fall down this hill, telling you my story earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the front row here, dude, running down this hill. And I'm like, now you're in front of 80,000 people. 80,000 people. So when we're about to do it, I'm standing there. I'm looking around I'm like, wow, it's a lot of people. You hear the announcer go, okay, everybody, please stay in your seats at halftime for the filming of a Disney movie. And also, please do not take any cell phone videos because. There was no cell phone video cameras in 2006. And everybody stayed Good in Good awareness, seat, yeah. Right? But if you watch the movie, look at the crowds. You see iPhones. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, um, some, things, some things are just unavoidable. Yeah. It, but it's, it's in the I, deep I, background. I think um, it's better. I think it's better, though, because sometimes you look at movies, like sports movies, and they have computer-generated fans. And it just doesn't yeah. have the same. Been doesn't on, have the same I effect. On a film where they did that, where they have cardboard cutouts in the fan in the stands. Oh, really? So then they'll just do like a quick pan by the mm-hmm. by the crowd, and it's literally cardboard cutouts of people. But the camera's moving so fast, you would never be able to tell. Yeah. Yeah, but when you're coming up with like the um the choreography, do you have like a, a process that you go by to prepare? I mean, do you kind of brush up on your own fundamentals, oh, I yeah. guess, before you want to go through everybody else? Like, what's your process like for prepping for yeah, the, so uh, my choreography? If I know I'm going to be doing doing uh, football drills myself and getting back into it, I'm hitting the field and I'm getting back into the swing of things, getting back into stance and getting my footwork under me, just Getting back to the basics. It doesn't have to be uh, super extreme. I mean, um, still, it's still, it's like riding a bike, but it does go away. So definitely need to, like I'm telling you, getting back into a football stance after not getting in one for a while. It, it, it does not feel like it used to, like come in second nature. Yeah, that I imagine that must take some. It takes some time to get reacclimated. Oh. Now, 
this is something I'm curious about. So people who like shoot guns, right? If they see someone shooting a gun on uh, in a movie in a movie or a TV show, they can kind of say that person has never shot a gun in their life. Or maybe if someone's a smoker, they can see people who smoke cigarettes and they say that just looks unnatural, like they're obviously yeah. pretending to smoke. As someone who formerly played, can you tell when there's um, an actor portraying themselves as a player? Can you tell that they've never played before? Just based um, on like their stance oh, or mechanics? It's, it's funny that uh, – so a lot of actors who play in sports movies – have never played sports before or have never played football. They, that is when it is relied heavily on the stunt double. So they will, if you watch it, like, um, I worked on this project where the actor was great at his job, but he never played football before. He was struggling to buckle his chin strap. So we had to help him buckle his chin strap. And what they'll do is they'll let the act say the actor's a wide receiver. They will have the actor go over the route they're going to run and, and have them do it as best as their ability, shoot it close, really close. So they're seeing this. So you're actually not seeing the actor's footwork or hands. You're just seeing their face. Like if, if you look, watch. And then they'll go to a wide shot. It will be the stunt double cutting, looking really good at what they're doing. Then they'll go back to the actor, maybe looking back in the face. And then they'll have the, they'll, they'll throw the pass, and they'll get it's they play with the angles, man. But mm-hmm. if you look next time, you'll be able to tell. If you look very closely, you can see like that was definitely a stunt double. Maybe the skin complexion is his hair off. But, um, yeah, the, the magic, the magic of editing movie, magic, movie, yeah. magic. Yeah. Did you ever see this documentary called, uh, what was it called? I think the final cut. Uh, I don't know. Uh, if I, saw that. I, I don't, I don't think that's the name, the right name, but it's basically about how editors are really the ones that kind of really put out. Yeah movie as it is. I mean, cause there's often said like, there's the movie that's written, the movie that's shot. And then the movie that's seen. Totally. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, it's definitely one of the more underappreciated positions. Well, I shouldn't say maybe it's underappreciated, but you know, you're not, you're not going to hear the names of great editors. Like you are great directors or great screenwriters. Even I've heard a lot of actors will say is like a, uh, an editor can make or break an actor. <laughs> that's very it's good. Just like yeah. in, in safety. Um, I probably had five, uh, four or five nice scenes cut. Really? That just didn't make the cut, like with yeah. dialogue and yeah, yeah. It, it can be a rough business, man. It is. It is a tough one, but what? So, like, what are some of your personal favorite uh, of movies that you've been involved with? Is, oh, is there one? Is there one that you yeah. like the most? Probably the my safety's my favorite. I got to work, you know, two months. Yeah. But my first big principal role was. Um, movie called dirty grandpa uh uh and i booked a one-liner in it and i come to realize that the scene was with two like um guys who have been in the game like one dude who was in the scene has been in the game for decades the other guy's like this upcoming pretty boy hot shot so i had one line in the movie 
I end up finding out I get the part, and I have two days to travel to Tybee Island to film. Mm. We uh, Tybee Island was supposed to be Daytona Beach, Florida. Um, I they put me up in a hotel on the beach, beachfront. I'm like, this is crazy. This is awesome. Uh, I have a a a shirtless scene the next day i'm in my hotel just hanging out i'm like well it's not like anything i eat tonight's gonna do any different i managed to go walk and get a large pizza eat the whole damn thing myself before i'm gonna be in a movie my shirt off um so we finally get to the next day it's my first day on set as an actor i go to my trailer get to your trailer um they walk you in your trailer a, a nice production assistant comes up and they'll talk to you They're like hey chris uh I, I got your sides here and which sides are my lines for the day and they're like would you like any coffee or any breakfast and they and i could tell them whatever they want and the, the nice people will bring it to me so i you know, i was like yeah i'll take some coffee you know some wasn't hungry you know a lot of nerves so I end up, I'm, I'm getting in, I'm sitting in my chair, I'm reading my script in my trailer, I'm like, and my I had one line in it, and I see um, the other characters in the scene, it was like the one character's name was Dick, and then I look at the call sheet, which the call sheet lists all the actors, and I see like, Dick is played by Robert De Niro, and I'm like, oh, like... Okay, I wasn't sure who Dick was until right now, and I see that I am in a scene with him. Better not mess up. <laughs> You're oh, if, I, if I could tell you how many times that ran through my head. Just even one, some, one, one line had so much. So we end up, end up getting to set. We're outside. It's in, um, it's like uh, end of April, so it's hot. It's muggy. Um, uh, I, I get to meet the director and he's like, all right, we're going to, we're going to start rehearsing the scene. This blackout, blacked out SUV pulls down the street and this old, this smaller, um, smaller gentleman starts walking out a little like hunched over gray hair glasses, um, starts walking closer and the director goes like, okay. Oh, hey, Bob. Perfect. Uh, hey, Okay, Bob, this is Chris. Chris, this is Bob. Bob, Chris is going to be playing our college kid. And Bob being Robert De Niro. And, you know, I get introduced to him right then and there as Bob. You're telling me my first day on set as an, as an actor, I'm getting introduced to Robert De Niro as Bob. And I'm going to be screaming at him in a second. So I'm trying to just be like, hey, how, how you doing, Bob? Good to, Bob, <laughs> Bob hey. But, you talking no, to me? <laughs> I didn't do that. Um, so we went over the scene, and then um, as soon as we start to go over the scene, Zach Efron comes to set, and he was running a second late, so he just hops in, and we start rehearsing. I didn't get introduced to him. So we start doing the scene, and I'll, I'll give you a little backstory on the scene. In the, in the movie, uh, Zach Efron is Robert De Niro's uh, grandson. It's rated R. It's very raunchy. Um, and 
uh, Robert De Niro's wife passes away, so he wants to go to spring break, and he makes his grandson take him. So they're entering um, Daytona, Florida, and I uh, they're driving along a beach, and Zac Efron's character gets a call from his fiance. And she's like, where are you? I can't even hear you. And he's like, yeah, we're at a Chuck E. Cheese. And there's like a weird waiter here. And then I jump on their car. I jump right on the windshield, looking straight in the eyes of Zac Efron. And I go, yeah, Daytona <laughs> effing beach. And I get to scream at him. And then, and then, uh, Robert De Niro goes, yeah, Daytona F and Beach, that's right, buddy. And that was my small scene in that movie. But after, you know, we start doing it a couple times, I I, I love telling this because it's so cool. Um, I was hanging out where all the chairs are. They call it Video Village, right? And, And I see... Efron is walking by me and I'm like you know what I'm gonna play this cool I'm gonna play it confident I was like he's 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 big time I'm not gonna bother so I'm just standing there minding my own business I'm like I'm play cool play cool play cool he starts walking by he 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 walks right past me I'm like all right and then he stops he comes back to me he goes oh hey man I didn't get to meet you I'm I'm Zach he comes up shakes my hand he's like dude you're doing such a great job. He's like, I can't wait till they turn the camera around on you. Like, and this is when I was just standing there. Uh, very small part, working on the movie for a day. He, he came up, went out of his way to introduce himself to me and compliment me. And then we got to shoot the shit for like, like five some minutes. Uh, but uh, I mean, yeah. a, compl- a compliment like that can be encouraging because even though it's a brief scene, you know, it's a brief scene that's supposed to be a funny part. So it could really kind of, you know, make it or break, not make or break yeah. the movie. But, you know, it's it's pivotal. You know, it's supposed to get a reaction out of people. Yeah. So that's right. good, man. Yeah, and you, you, and you, you got to work with uh, Pacino, too, right in uh, Paterno. Right. Yeah, I did. I had a small part in that movie. Uh, Paterno was an HBO movie about the events of the Penn State, Penn State scandal, uh, scandal with Jerry Sandusky and Al Pacino played Joe Paterno. And actually, I was a football player in that movie. Uh, my character was football player number two in the credits. Uh, but uh, one of the sad parts of this business is my, my two lines in that movie got cut. I didn't make the cut. Like, went to New York to film that uh, with a legendary director. His name I got to. He were he. His name was Barry Levinson. He directed Rain Man. Mm-hmm. Just like I would have never thought. I'm meeting the director of Rain Man in in uh, HBO movie. But yeah, I played a football player. It was not in any football gear. I was in casual clothes. Me and another player were sitting at a, a lunchroom, sitting there just chatting and we're supposed to get an alert on our phone we're like dude like holy crap i'm like dude what's up man and he's like article in the patriot news and he's supposed to hold his phone up it says jerry sandusky um accused of so many accounts of uh sexual harassment and i just go like holy shit dude but and that was it small part but it didn't make the cut but Still, uh, unbelievable experience to 
to be a part of. Yeah, well, I mean, the fact that you get to work with both of those guys, you know, that's uh, an incredible experience. I mean, did you, ever, yeah. did, you ever, did you ever see the movie Heat? You know what? I haven't seen Heat. That is with, uh, that's Pacino, right? Pacino and De Niro. Yeah. Yeah. That, cops? Yeah, uh, Pacino's a cop and Robert De Niro's a bank robber. Well, he, he's a thief. I mean, they, they rob a bank, they do an armored car heist. Um, there's only a couple scenes that they share with each other, though, but one of them is this pivotal scene that is just masterful to watch. It's probably halfway, two-thirds into the movie, but, dude, if you... When you get a chance to watch that movie, it's incredible. I, like, I, two. I will, yeah. So, like, w- what's your ultimate goal for doing this? I mean, do you want to continue to see how far you can go with acting or with, you know, choreographing football scenes? I mean, what's your ultimate goal with it? Uh, um, my my goal is totally to make a... Um, definitely make a career out of acting uh and wherever football brings me if coordinating presents itself to me i would gladly do it i i i um i did a lot of the extra stuff but now i've i've evolved onto that i did that for a long time and that got that you know that helped me it's where i was but after working as a you know working on this project um I'm really going to concentrate on, you know, just more of the acting side, you know? Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, you want to, you want to develop and move forward with it, man. I mean, it's, it's, a challenge. it's challenging. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. Cause everything, I, so much I've done has been football though. And I, and that's what I said. I almost didn't even play college football. If I wouldn't have did that, I wouldn't have done any of those things. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really finds you at a certain point. Right. right? I mean, I mean, you, you come into football, but really, I think what the game offers you is more than what you can offer to the game in some ways. Oh, man, for sure. Yeah. All right, Chris, this was really fun to talk to you, man. Yeah, I, had a, I had a blast. You, yeah, I had a blast listening to your uh, your story and your insights, man. So I'm glad you took the time to be with us tonight. Well, thank you so much for having me, Aaron. Uh, you're great. Uh, did great on the podcast. Kept the flow. Uh you did awesome, man. Uh, well, when you got a guy like you that's uh you got good stories to tell, man. It makes my job easier. Hey, so I appreciate it. Appreciate that, man. All right, man. Yeah. Be good until next time, all right? That sounds good, man. Have a good night. Thanks, pal. Later.